Welcome back to The Art of Relationships. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Milhoff. And uh, we are here again talking about all things relationships and the opportunity to sit and visit uh, and just have you join us. Um, we've been talking uh, last time um, on te- about technology and technology's impact on relationships, technology's impact on society, and then importantly, how technology has now become this very critical link yeah. that we use for connecting with other people. Right, Tim? I mean, we have now the use of technology that is increasing our connectivity. And we talked last time about the number of people that say they feel more connected to others simply because of this smartphone. And we mentioned how the smartphone is now the gadget that has changed. uh, A technological Swiss army knife. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there's some research out there as we continue with this that talked about how people use these phones and, 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 you know, this match.com, you know, when couples get together, they did a survey just a couple, about a year ago now that found that almost 40% of respondents think that they now date more than they normally would because of their smartphones. So they have an opportunity to see, connect. And so there's some amazing cool things. Here's a cool one that I think that is also there. Um, They found that, um, 60% 60% of users said they would not date someone whose phone screen was cracked. Now, what is oh that? Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> so, like, oh, my gosh, why would I, you know, look at somebody's smartphone? They don't take care of it. It's cracked. Are they really that? You know, it's almost like looking at, you know, cleanliness or the shape of their car. Remember, we used to look at somebody's yeah, car yeah, and go, oh, it's a nice car That's or it's really a dirty interesting. car. Now, is it that smartphone, you know, is it cracked? So. I'm so glad I'm married. I have a flip phone. <laughs> I would not be dating anybody. <laughs> oh my word, that that's amazing. Well, but, go ahead with. Um, so we made the point in the last podcast that we're not anti-technology, right? We're not going back, but we need to understand the deep implications that technology has on yeah. us. That as we use technology, it uses us, right? And so uh, we need to become comfortable with that and help people to use it wisely and use it to connect with people in some really powerful ways. So we're, we, we, we were having such a great conversation that we thought, man, let's do this again because there's so much more stuff that we can kind of talk about. We mm-hmm. need to kind of get at it. Yep. Yeah, and you ended with a question, Tim, last time. Yeah. And one of the issue that you're facing or that we are all facing, and it's this. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, last podcast I mentioned that uh, one scholar said that there's technological natives and immigrants. Immigrants, we remember what it was like not to have any technology like this. And natives, this is their DNA. So I was talking about uh, a situation where, you know, you're talking to a millennial or, or somebody who's deeply invested in technology and that buzzer goes off, that, that, yeah. that vibration goes off and I lose them and they, maybe they even take a look at the phone. I step in and say, as a technological immigrant, hey, that kind of bothered me. I mm-hmm. feel like that was disrespectful. I feel like you're not paying attention. But the native comes back and says, well, I'm sorry, that's your interpretation. Yeah. I'm absolutely paying attention to you. And that didn't bother me. It didn't distract me. That's on you, not on me. Yeah. That's an interesting scenario. Yeah. And so I think, Tim, what we would look at, and I, and I think the question we would want to ask, and I think what they're getting at is something like this. I, it, w- are you assuming and do you believe that someone who is a native is assuming their ability and capacity 
to be a multitasker. Is that really what they're doing? That is, I, I think this person is responding back to you saying, listen, this is how I operate. This is how I've always been. And I can do two things. And I'm things, good at it. And I'm, I'm good, good at, at it. it. Yeah. yeah. And just because you are not, just yeah, because yeah, you haven't exactly. been around, That's doesn't it. mean. And I think uh, this is really a, a great, fruitful conversation about what's called multitasking, right? Multitasking is this belief that what? It's the belief that we can do multiple tasks at once. So our brains are designed, we're designed, we can we can sit here and have this conversation, we can have a podcast, I could be thinking of something else at the same time, and I could be even looking at my cell phone, scrolling through some things, and I could do it without a loss or any kind of negativity or to the relationship or to my ability to, to pay attention. And multitasking is a very interesting phenomenon because, bottom line, research is showing it is impossible for us to navigate, to, de- to be good at multitasking. So I want to talk about that. So what would you say to the native who would say to you, well, spoken like an immigrant? Well, here's right? a, a no kidding. Yep. Oh, you came up with studies that say I can't multitask? Well, that was shocking. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. So, so is it... Is, and again, what do you do in that really weird situation? Let's say this is a parent-child. This yep. is a classic one. Yep. Where, where the parent is just saying, hey, listen, I, I'm sorry. I, in essence, I don't believe that you're as good at multitasking as you think you are. That's yep. where I think communication theory can come in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. In the fact that I would say to myself and that person I'm talking about, or a parent and a child, you're going to have to come up with communication rules. Yeah. You're coming up with your own culture. So I think... So let's say they're just not open to all the studies that you're, uh-huh. you mentioned okay. that I find very persuasive. But again, I'm an yeah. immigrant. Yeah. I can at least sit down with that person and we can come up with what we call constitutive rules. Constitutive right. rules mean this. What constitutes what in our relationship? Right. And I would say that I could say to this younger person, listen, let's, to me that's not your full attention when you're checking your cell phone. Mm-hmm. So could we have times mm-hmm. when you and I agree not to do that? Now, mm-hmm. in fairness, mm-hmm. that person might say, sure, I'm up for times like that, but are you up for times when we sit down and it's okay to look yeah. at cell phones yeah. or we're looking and checking email as we're talking? I think the answer to that is both need to, yeah. there needs to be room for both. Yeah, I think so. But this is what Paul says, remember to the church at Philippi, I, want, I do want you to get into the habit of giving preference to one another. Mm-hmm. So I do think, Chris, eventually, if the studies just aren't persuasive to one individual, then I think you sit down and say, let's come up with some rules, and they can't always be my rules. We're, we're going to have to compromise. Yeah. That's probably where it's going to have to go. I, I, I think that's right. I think there's a lot of good ways in which that needs to take place, expectations. Yeah. All, all, navi- all relationships probably need to navigate this. I would say that there is, however, um, something that is even m- more fundamental than this, Tim, and that is um, l- this is not really about age. This isn't about native and immigrants. This really has nothing to do even with, you know what this has to do with. It's, it's just simply the way we've been designed, and it's our brain, and it goes like this. Our brain has the ability to think two things at once, even three things, and we can do different things, but the brain has been designed, and th- we're not going to be able to go against this. This is design. This is who we are, and that is we have a memory of just one thing. That is, we focus and concentrate on one aspect to the detriment of the other. So we can switch, but the problem is what we call switch costs. And switch costs are the critical issue. So here's the studies that 
show this with young kids, with anybody of any age, we put them in a car and we let them drive in a car simulator and they just drive for five minutes. These simulators are very realistic. They get done and they ask a series of questions. Hey, how did you enjoy your drive? You, we, you stopped at all the right stop signs, stop lights. You saw this, you saw that, but we had some other questions. Did you happen to notice the billboards? And they say things like this. Oh, well, they remember seeing about seven billboards or they actually saw 10. Oh. Okay, so now there are about seven. The average person can recall a number of those billboards, even what they said. And then they do something intriguing and, and interesting. They put them back in this car simulator, or they have another group of people in the simulator so that they're not biased. And so here's a new group, and now they're driving, and they just simply have them have a conversation on a cell phone. It's through the speaker. It's not. They're not holding the cell phone. They're just in a cell phone conversation <laughs> through their computer, uh, or through their car computer, whatever. And as they're driving for five minutes, they're having to engage with somebody on this phone conversation. Oh, they get out and they're asked this question. Hey, most people, by the way, did have a slight reduction in response time, but they, you know, they hit the red lights right correctly. They stopped. They did everything. But there was an amazing difference between the group. They brought them out and said, hey, by the way, <laughs> did you happen to notice any um, of the billboards? And there was literally... A look of like, uh, I didn't see any billboards. Oh, my. So they didn't, not, not only did they not see the seven, bill, 10 billboards, even recognize like the others did about seven, they wow. couldn't recall a single wow. content of one. Okay, the twist there's a camera inside that car simulator that's focused on the eyes of the driver. Okay? So the eyes of the driver show every billboard that was passed was looked at by the driver. Wow. They looked at the wow. billboard. They recalled none of them when they were on a cell phone. What does that say then in relationships? People say this, I look at you, I'm watching you, but if my mind is somewhere else, guess what's going to fade away? I'm not going to remember. They, they are not going to remember this. So the idea that we have switch costs is Man, really what's kind of coming into play that says, I might watch you, but if I'm distracted, my brain is going to recall that which I'm really thinking about. If I'm listening to a lecture, I can think about. I could read a book, Tim. I don't know about you. I could read a book and think about something else, and I'm going. going to, I'm going to remember what I was thinking about, not what I'm reading in the textbook. Wow. Not what I'm driving wow, and looking Chris. at. So yeah. that's switch costs, right? Shallower thinking, weakened concentration, reduced creativity, and then this heightened stress. That is what happens when we switch back and forth between ideas. So uh, see, I find this very persuasive. But this is immigrant to immigrant. So one thing that discourages me, and here's, I think, where I want to go with this application-wise. Okay. We brought in one of the top technological um, people to Biola University, and she did a chapel service. Right. My wife actually works with chapel programming here at Biola. I was so thrilled that a couple of my kids were in chapel. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, it's like every immigrant in the room was like, finally, somebody speaking truth, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she had studies like you had. Uh -huh. It was awesome. As they were walking out, we grabbed certain people and asked them what they thought. And Chris, to a person, it was blah, 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 yada, 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 right? Yeah. So here's, I think, the application point would be twofold. Yeah. One, we do need to stay teachable. Right. Uh, we're never, we already said we're never going back. We're never giving up our technological Swiss Army knives. But let's be open to not only research, but the prompting of the spirit. 
Because here's what really concerns me. If you were to go through the Old Testament and ask, what spiritual discipline Mm -hmm. do the scriptures seem to say is the prime one? They would say meditation, solitude. And if we're getting anything, remember last program, we mentioned that people would rather have an electric shock than be alone with with their thoughts. I'm afraid we're losing biblical meditation. Mm -hmm. And Chris, I've actually done this in assignment in my class Uh where we did a technological fast, where the first day, and this is just three days, but the first day you have one hour of technology, Mm -hmm. second day you have a half hour, third day you have none, but that third day you're to go to the prayer chapel here on campus and you're to spend one hour of solitude. And Chris... I used to be the solitude king. I did it all through college. Yeah. I did the fast with my students. Yeah. Now, the one hour wasn't tough, and even the half hour wasn't tough. Here's what so discouraged me. Mm-hmm. I went to our prayer chapel, Chris, yeah. and I sat there, and I'm thinking, this is great. I used to do this all the time. Yeah. I sit there. To my left is a guy totally asleep. <laughs> to my far left is a guy texting in the prayer chapel, and I'm sitting there, and Chris, I was good for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And I looked at my watch when I was done, like with everything. And I thought, <laughs> I have 45 minutes left. And I was like, I, I, I had ants in my pants. I couldn't do it. That really concerns me. Yeah. So I think all of us, to the great information that you have on switch costs, we at least need to be open to the prompting of the Spirit that, hey, if this is affecting biblical meditation and solitude, yeah. then I really think we need to take a hard look at it and make sure that we are carving out time in our busy lives that we can still do meditation and solitude. Yeah. I, Tim, I think there is some uh, of these consequences and impact on all of us when it comes to the ability to not only... I think that it's just powerful, that idea of solitude and quiet, that the, the yeah. capacity to do that is being diminished in some way. To You've mentioned before the ability for people to sit down and read an entire book book. Oh, how, how when's the last time anybody has sat oh, down and, yeah. you know, taken, and, and, and you know, I'm, of course, there are a lot of people who say, yeah, but I can get the gist of a book, or I can pick it up, or I can summarize it, or I can skim it, and I get everything that I need, and who, 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 would, who has time for that? But it seems Skinny as if it's, it, yeah. Yeah, it's diminishing our capacity to do that. You know, James, in James 119, I, I, I'm, I, you know, James talked about this, and I think it's a principle. He says, you know, my dear brothers, remember, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, yeah, yeah. slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And, yep. you know, I think you could almost translate that today. I, you know, if you were, if we were to translate that verse today, <laughs> I think you would say this, my dear brothers, take notice, everyone should be quick to turn away from their screens, slow to browse, <laughs> and slow to become angry when others are texting and ignoring you, right? It is that idea yeah. that there's also some ways in which uh, immigrants can say, hold on, I need to you know, become slow to get angry when somebody is maybe yeah. texting and ignoring me. Maybe there, maybe I, I need to learn what this means for me. But sacred spaces, Tim, the ability to find quiet places. We're, we're, we're able to get online anytime and any place, and it's amazing. And sometimes it feels like that sacred space is lost. Does it bother you, and then I'll make a point from this, does it bother you when a, a, a preacher gets up and reads the Bible on his cell phone? Does it does it bother you? Uh, well, it doesn't bother me. It depends on um, what I worry most about. I sit there thinking, man, I just hope the you know if he's on wireless that it doesn't you know cut down the you know. In other words, I hope it, that the technology works. I'm afraid that he might not find it, you know, oh, or, yeah, or yeah. He, he skips yeah. around and like ah, just 
Why does it bother you? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily bother me. And here's what I think I want to argue. <clears throat> I'm not of the the opinion of people saying, "Well, I just hate that. I, he, he needs to have the Bible in his hands." Okay, uh-huh. I want to hear the rustling of pages. Uh-huh. I I get that. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to argue. I think. I think there needs to be a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind uh, people reading the Bible off their phones. Yeah. Because you know what's cool about that? The Swiss Army knife idea is yeah. then you have your Bible with you every single place that you go. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to have times where you do just sit down and you actually open up a brick and mortar book. So I, I think what I want to argue is there needs to be times when you sit down with a friend and both you're sitting down and you're both checking email and you're both skimming and you're laughing and talking and showing each other goofy videos on Facebook. Okay. But if that is all you do, then I think we're starting to lose a little something. So let's have a balanced approach to technology. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's good. I purposely, when I preach, I do use a Bible. Yeah. I, I want that in my hands. But yeah. I also use a ton of PowerPoint in my right. preaching with a lot of videos. Right. So again, let's not be have an overreaction with technology. If you feel like you're all in one camp, mm-hmm. like like I have some older friends, it's it's just sad. They they they're upset that their friends don't call them more, mm-hmm. the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And I once said to a friend, lovingly, listen, you get on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You get on Facebook, you will be exposed to that person's entire life mm-hmm. and you will be as connected as you want to be. And her response was, yeah, I don't do Facebook. Yeah. Well, okay, you just closed yourself off mm-hmm. to a ton of natives. Yep. So again, I, I want to have that balanced approach, I think is kind of wise. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point, Tim. I think when people are able to uh, approach this not from a um, from it's all good or all bad, but there needs to just simply be healthy. And that's the way it's always been, right? With yeah. all technology, it's this yeah. notion of putting boundaries around something. So I, I guess I would challenge couples in this way: people or parents or friends, um, they need to ask themselves a couple of questions. Mm. Are they finding, for example, and is it possible that some of the conflicts, some of the dis, you know concerns that they're having, could they see that technology is having and playing any role? And what yeah. is the role? It Good. is maybe it's this role of man. This is so positive. It's gotten me to where I'm connected with certain people that I just normally wouldn't. And how important are those? And then just a reminder that okay, continue to facilitate and work on those yeah. and strengthen those. And then what are some habits that you're forming in your relationship when it comes to technology that you want to keep? But what are some that are beginning to be disturbing? Are you losing some, yeah. you know, some some connection points that? Maybe this ability to even read the other person non-verbally or to sit in quiet does something and, and you need to enhance that simply because the other person is feeling fubbed. They're feeling, right? They're feeling yeah. not, they're feeling ignored. And so look at that and see the way that it's impacting and then ask these questions. I think you need to say, all right, is there anything that we've missed recently when, when uh, you know, in, in things that we've agreed to do? Have I, have I misread this? Are, am I misreading a person's emotions? Am I misreading their heart? Am I getting out their dreams? Am I finding that this is... And if you're using technology to get at that and you can answer affirmatively, then you're using it probably appropriately. But if you've had times in it's a good. relationship it's where good. you felt ignored, where yeah. you felt dis- distracted, where you've missed their heart, where you've missed seeing something... You know, it's that art of that question, too. Yeah. If we miss that and saying, you know, 
did I sense that you were okay? I read this in your heart. I read this in your face. I, I, is everything okay? And, and if we're able to do that, then I think we're using this well. But those are good questions. And let's not be judgmental. Each couple is going to have to negotiate this. Yeah. And, and maybe there's a couple who negotiates in a way that me and Noreen would not want to do. But yeah. that's what I think we have to back off a little bit of this technological snobbery yeah. that the um, immigrants tend to have of the natives, like all those poor natives. They don't know how to do intimacy because of all the technology kind of right, stuff. Right. I would argue that, you know how we advise every couple when they get married, uh, go on a budget for one year. Yeah. You need to at least know where the money's going. Yeah. I would argue that when it comes to technology, yep. at least know yep. how much you're on technology. And yep. here's a great app that a student came up to me and told me about. The app is called Forest. Mm -hmm. And um, when you <clears throat> don't use your cell phone, uh -huh. you act a tree starts to grow. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and when you use your cell phone, the tree dies. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to look back huh. and to say, okay, this day I didn't have one tree grow because I was on my phone all day long. Huh. This day, I actually had some trees that made it all the way to full maturity wow. growth. That's Again, I think it's good no matter what. If you're a native or an immigrant, you yeah. should at least know how much time on technology am I spending? Just like a good budget, you got to know where the money's going. Man, I think that's a cool little device. And it just a, it's a reminder of things. Um, you know, there are other studies that do something similar, Tim. They call people every, on a random basis throughout the day, and they just simply send them a text and say, please respond back. What were you doing at the moment you received this text? And you have huh. to say, I was talking with somebody. I was in conversation. I was on my phone. I was oh, in wow. And the, the, it is very interesting. Some of these findings, and people are finding it pretty revealing that yeah, many times yeah. they were not engaged in, in a conversation with somebody. They were not talking or sharing or sitting there. there. Instead, they were holding on to this. They, well, they were probably doing that. Many of them reported simultaneously. Spontaneous use. They had, like you said yeah. in the previous, you know, podcast we talked about. They had their phones on. They were looking at a certain site. They had their computers open, and they had sitting in front of a TV. And that was a little bit scary for a number of people who received these texts. So, Tim, then when it comes to navigating relationships, um, what advice would you give? I think th I think that is awesome. I think having an app like that can begin to show us some things, mm -hmm. and they can begin to give us some insight into how much we're using this. Um, I, I, another one here, here would be a piece of advice I would give for parents and for anybody else, and it goes like this. Remember the brain, especially in developing children, is yeah, yeah. Uh, needing to connect, to form habits, right? Smartphones, they're habit forming. And so we need to think about the habits that we're forming, right? We need yeah. to be intentional about that. As a psychologist, I would say if I had parents hold the line in any of these areas, it would find moments where, mm -hmm. the, you know, where technology is not used, hold sacred times like dinner. Uh, oh, places good. after good. eight o'clock, and then on yeah. ad in addition to finding sacred moments, uh, I would also say limit the number of multiple screens because you see what a multiple screen does is you go back and forth and you switching back and forth and that that to me those switch costs begin to add up. Let them just have one screen. So we would always tell our kids, uh, uh hold on, either the phone or the TV, one or the other. You yeah. can't do both. Or the computer or the phone, just pick one right now and stay with that. And better yet, when we turn this off, let's go read this book. <laughs> yeah, and I would add to that, um, I remember reading, there were some uh, 
Jewish scholars who were arguing for a technological fast. Mm-hmm. This idea of Sabbath, yeah. boy, we tend to ignore a ton. Right. We could do a whole podcast on how Sabbath really helps your relationships and yourself. Yep. But we tend to blow past any kind of a Sabbath rest mentality. Yep. Well, these Jewish scholars were advocating for a technological fast. Yep. In other words, on a Sunday or a Saturday, it doesn't yep. matter, to really severely limit your technological use, just yep. to kind of reboot a little yep. bit. And yep. I think that's probably a really wise idea. I also um, have a friend who's on the board for American forests, yeah. and the, the forests um, have really suffered attendance-wise. Uh-huh. And a lot of them are linking it back to technological reasons, that kids just don't want to go take a long walk through the forest yeah. where they don't get cell reception or any yeah. kind of reception. So again, I think to look down at, at your life, yeah. relationships, and say, okay, holistically, yeah. where are we at? Are yeah. we really skewed in one direction? So yeah. I like the idea of... Uh, a family vacation where you take yep. one day and say, hey, I mean, it'd be cruel to say to the kids, you know, you can't yep. take any technology. But ta- yeah. this day, we're not going to take the cell phones, dad included. Yep. And that's the important part, I think, is say, hey, dad included, yep. mom included in on this. But but let's take a look at a holistic view of your life. How I spend my time is in the morning is the first thing I do, check Facebook. Yep. Am I texting at in the middle of the night? Is that screen? Because, you yep. know, sleep experts will say, just the glow of yep. that screen awake. That's right. uh, does things with your REM sleep yep. capabilities. So a holistic approach, I think, would be fascinating. I think you're right, Tim. One time we went on a, a family um, uh, to a family camp, and it was uh, out in Catalina. And the entire week, there was no cell phone coverage. And what was uh, most interesting is you got used to it so quickly, but our 13-year-old daughter came back and said, you know what? I really like that. You know why? Mm. She said, it's because... I, I knew I was going to not be able to use my cell phone, and I got so used to it, it actually made me feel more relaxed. Wow. I wasn't so worried about everybody and what was going on. And I thought, you know what, uh, just in and of itself, there are some powerful benefits that way, isn't there? Well, I had the exact same experience. I went on a business trip, <clears throat> forgot my cell phone. Forgot it. It's like, how in the world could you forget it? Well, I totally forgot it. Now, here's what's interesting. It used to be, and this is me speaking as an immigrant, when I said I'm going away on a business trip, people just knew Milhoff's not accessible. Yeah. But now with the phone and with your laptop, yeah. right? So there I was, Chris, thinking, okay, Noreen knows what hotel I'm at, yeah. and she can call me if there's an emergency. Yeah. Uh, I do have my laptop, and if she, you know, she can send me an email if I need to. Yeah. So, Chris, I went a whole weekend without the cell phone, and I got to tell you, it was really hard that Friday night. Yeah. That was hard. But the rest of the weekend, I was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to relax and enjoy this. I think that's the balance we're looking for. If we're never having those moments where we go two days or something, a technological fast, then I think we're skewed. Yeah. What a great reminder and a great way to end. And it's just a reminder that um, sometimes in the quietness, sometimes in the stillness is when we sense and know God's presence, right? It's when we feel Him. And it's also the same thing in relationships. And so to Bring that into our worlds. What a great reminder and a great use and a great balance. And the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Now, what that stillness looks like, I think, will be person-specific. But we better have some times where we're reclaiming a sense of meditation and solitude before the Lord. Great word. Yep. Way to end. Uh, Thanks, uh, Tim. And uh, if you need more information, you want to see a little bit more, again, we have lots of resources available for you at our website, cmr.com dot viola.edu come check it out and uh, we'll talk next time